In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. You're listening to Stat, the only show beyond the diamond solely dedicated to keeping the game's heartbeat alive. All right, welcome back to Stat, the only podcast dedicated to keeping the heartbeat of the game alive. I'm your host, Liam Skevington. Today, I am joined by the greatest left-handed closer of all time, Mr. Billy Wagner. Billy, how you doing today, man? Hey, I'm great, Liam. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time today, Billy. So I uh, really just want to talk about your entire career and definitely want to get into some Hall of Fame talk with you too, if that's all right. So I, I guess um, we can start from the top. I think you have a really interesting story. Um, even just growing up, you were playing football and uh, baseball gro- growing, growing up most of your life, right? Yeah, I, I played. Uh, f- football was my love. And so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a football player. My uncles were football players. There was nothing like Friday nights. And so, you know, baseball wasn't that big a part. We played baseball because football season wasn't in. And so you didn't have seven on seven. You didn't do that stuff. So you can play multiple sports and everybody's on the even playing uh, scale until you grow up and you realize you're not as big, you're not big enough. And so, and that's what happened. I broke my arm um, playing football, went uh, about six months. Broke my uh, broke my elbow on monkey bars, and just you know being resilient, wanted to wanted to keep playing, and so I learned how to do it left-handed. Just didn't know it was going to come out quite this uh, this way, but uh, you know. So Billy, yeah, like you mentioned, you broke your right arm twice, and then so you were a left-handed reliever, a power left-handed reliever at that. What was that adjustment like for you when you were so young from throwing going from throwing right-handed to throwing left-handed? You know what? I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I was so young. I think I was seven, eight years old. So, I, I mean, it wasn't like this big transition. I mean, from what my mom and dad have said, it's been pretty much, you know, you wouldn't know that I'd broke anything because I kept just kept on going. And so, you know, I think it was it happened at the right time so that I could be uh, – I, I was able to, to make that transition a little easier. But, uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't know anything different uh, moving forward. What position were you in football? I was a quarterback and defensive back. I was a much better defensive back than I was a quarterback. I I was terrible. I was a run first, throw later. So you went to, uh, is it Ferrum College? Am I saying that right? Uh, Ferrum. Not Ferrum? too hard. Okay. Not too soft. Ferrum. Yeah, Ferrum. Okay. So you <laughs> went to Ferrum College and you played both football and baseball there as well, right? I did. I did. It was awesome. What made you eventually, Billy, lean into baseball full time? Well, I had a great coach who was my defensive back coach. He was the defensive coordinator at Ferrum, and um, I played. I had plenty of playing time. Um, he made I made the mistake by inviting him to watch me play baseball, and so he came and watched me play baseball and saw me pitch. And uh, he politely put his arm around my shoulder, walked me to the locker room, and told me that I could never play football again. And if I did come back out, that he would make sure that I was the most in shape pitcher Farm has ever had. So, you know, for, you know, I, I think having coach Davis look at my career and seeing a bigger path, a bigger future, you know, I was blessed. I mean, I've been blessed my whole life being able to have uh, people around me that just seem to help guide me in the right directions and, and 
Coach Davis was one of those guys who just said, hey, you know, this is probably going to this is going to work out better for you. Was it difficult at all for you to walk away from football? Uh, no, well, no, because, you know, I played my the freshman year I played. I got I got I played in every game. I got an interception. But I'm going to tell you, I ain't never been so sore. I've never been hit so hard. The guys that were running around, I was like, I just, wow. I enjoyed it. I was going to continue to do it. But I was like, man, I think I'd had a concussion. I'd, I'd had a cracked rib. I broke a thumb. I mean, I was like, holy cow. You know, this is fun, but this hurts. And Billy, coming out of your senior year in high school, you were you were like 5'5", five, five, right? Yeah, I wasn't very big. 5'5", five, 5'7", five, five, about 135, 40 pounds. I, I didn't, there wasn't much stock in that. And I mean, you know, I tell kids that today. I mean, I've got kids on my team, my high school team today that are, at that weight and they're looking at me and I'm like, Hey, these things are possible. But I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta be patient, which, you know, you can't expect kids to be anymore, but, and, and I didn't even, and thank God I, I'm not growing up in this era, but, uh, back then you could, you had time. And, um, you know, uh, I went, I come through high school and, you know, survive it, but I really made the big jump. I mean, in high school, I was throwing 78, 81, you know, I mean, and I was all over the place, had no breaking ball, had didn't even know how to hold a curveball, didn't know anything about it. And, uh, you know, I, I go to Farron to be a football player, play baseball in the, in the uh, spring. And so happened we had a guy named Darren Hodges who'd gotten drafted the year before me in the fourth round by the Yankees. And he was there, you know, getting ready for the season. And uh, I hit I, – they brought me in. I hit in the cage. Couldn't get a ball out of the cage. Looked normal. Just, could, you know, hadn't hit. All that, all that normal stuff. Then I, uh, you know, the coach goes, hey, take him down to the bullpen. Let's see. You know, I end up, I'm down there and, and Darren made a few corrections and I literally went from throwing them low 80, mid 80 to, to upper 80, low 90. And it was just, you know, simple things that, you know, it, it, that kind of came with maturity and just being able to understand what he was saying. And so, you know, there's a lot of people to, to for me to think about, you know, putting me on the right track and, you know, Darren and coach, uh, Darren Hodges and uh, Abe Knapp were definitely two that help me work things out. So Billy, we're talking about your small frame and we also touched on how you were a power pitcher. Where, how did you generate that type of power with that, with the kind of frame you have? Well, if I use all the metrics of today, it's just, uh, it it really is just a combination of learning how to balance your body with the top and the bottom. And I had, I've always had big legs and, uh, I was just able to create that force from the, from, from, the torque I put through my legs and stuff. And I, and I just think a lot of that came from uh, some of it playing football, uh, playing a lot of long toss. Uh, you know, a heavy ball for me was a hay bale. So, uh, you know, we, 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 we did a lot of farm work, a lot of grip work, a lot of things like that that kind of generated that. When, when you're trying to throw, when you're trying to throw hay bales up in a loft and you're constantly doing that, uh, um, you, you have to, um, you have to put in some some work, and so that was that was how I, I generated, and so that just kind of transferred by accident, or maybe it was the way it's supposed to be, but that kind of generated uh, in, in that in that fashion. So you were drafted in 1993, you debuted in '95, and then '96 is when you became like a full time major leaguer. What was that transition to the bullpen for you like in '96, and what was the conversation surrounding that? Because when you came up, you were a starting pitcher. Well, I wasn't a very good starting pitcher, but. Uh, it was one of those things where it was, uh, you know, luck, once again, luck uh, had a lot to do with it. Um, I, you know, I'd started to get innings to get, to kind of clean up my, my, 
really just my fastball and breaking ball and changeup. They wanted me to have three pitches, and um, but that never really transpired. I mean, I could pitch in the minor leagues and do well enough because I was overpowering with a fastball. Um, but uh, so I get into '96, and, and all of a sudden they they let go uh, Greg Swindell, and I'm supposed to come up and and start. I'm supposed to start in like three days. So they were going to get my feet wet in a, and just kind of get me an inning here to, to work on. So I go out and get an inning. Uh, and along the and between that time and my start, Todd Jones and John Hudak both get hurt. John Hudak ends up getting uh, our first rib taken out. Todd Jones hurts uh, something. And then uh, they, they kind of looked around and, you know, I was like, they were like, well, let's just see what he can do. And, you know, being naive and green, you know, I'd closed in college. I'd pitched a lot in college. It wasn't new. I knew what I was doing. And so, you know, going out there and just going as hard as I could for one inning, or, or it was, it worked, it worked easy for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then in uh, 97, Billy, you, that was also like your first full-time season in the bullpen. Who in the, who in that Astros bullpen did you kind of like learn from who took you under your wing and kind of show you the ropes of being a big leaguer at such a young age? Well, I tell you, there was a lot. There's a lot of guys who really took care of me. Xavier Hernandez was one of the biggest guys who, as soon as I stepped on to the, uh, to the big leagues, he took me and pretty much said, I'm going to be here for every interview. I'm going to tell you, you know, you're going to know how to talk in an interview. You're going to, you're just going to be able to, you know, respond and do what you're supposed to do. And so Xavier Hernandez was huge. Uh, uh, Mike Magnanti was huge in just having just having conversations about about the game uh, situations. Donnie Wall, uh, I mean, there were so many guys in the, at that point. And and then you know I don't want to take out probably one of the biggest influences, and he was our bullpen catcher, and that was uh, a guy named Stretch Suba, who had been around so long. He'd caught uh, Nolan, he'd caught Jr., he'd caught all these great pitchers, and so catching me was just like you know catching candy. And he he was. You know he was really good because you know you're not going to get much help from a John Hudak and a and these guys because you're trying you're getting you're in their role and so they're not like hey you know we'll it was just a time you know nobody's going to help you and so um, that ended up being where uh, you know those guys really made a big difference for me and then then it was just you know Terry Collins going hey go do it and so when I failed and had a bad game. You know what? He he just he kept putting me back out there, and you know, as luck would have it, you know, you kind of start running into some, you know, some good months, and all of a sudden you're you're going two or three months without blowing a save, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, and you really figure out what if you're a closer when you've blown one or two, or you have a bad week, and 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 you figure it out because that's that was, but to have that, you got to have that manager that understands is going to go out there and kind of keep putting you out there. And I, I came in at the right time and Terry Collins and Larry Durker allowed me to do that. Billy, you talk about taking the mound with and pitching with the fear of failure. Can you tell me a little bit about where that came from? Well, nobody. Yeah. I'd tell you, you know, I, I stole the term from um, Eckersley, but the thing that he said kind of fit my profile i would go out and i would be my anxieties my nerves would be a wreck i mean i would get sick in the bullpen before i'd pitch i would have that i'd probably blown the game five or six times sitting down there watching the game i'm you know you're having this and by the time i got out there i was pretty much had that internal pissed off feeling about myself doing that and that and it kind of translated into pitching the way i did 
because I, I did, I had that fear of losing the fear of failing. And so, uh, you, you know, just try to, instead of the, the flight, uh, what is it? Flight and fight or something like flight that. Or fight. Fight and, yeah. flight or fight. Yeah. I, I was fighting and, and, and it, it kind of worked like that. So, uh, but that's how it worked out. And that was kind of how I viewed myself is that, that, type, that, that was the term that kind of suited me. So when you came up, Billy, you would actually get sick in the bullpen before oh. Uh, going out. Oh yeah. I've, I'd have that. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go and step in here in this bathroom and I, oh, I would throw up, be gagging, you know, and I'm always chewing bubble gum. I was always chewing bubble gum. And so it was just like that, that comfort. And that sort of gave me that when I came out get the taste out of my mouth plus be able to sit there and just kind of take some anxiety i'm curious billy how far along into your career did that subside or did it <laughs> no it didn't it didn't and, and i know people sit there and they look at me like well, how can you be successful and still that well every game i pitched was different than the than the, the next or the last it was going to be you know you know you just you didn't want to let anybody down you wanted to be that guy and then having the expectations of somebody going, Hey, you're going to, you, you know, you're doing really good. You know, the kiss of death talks. And so you're, you, you had, you could never believe the hype. You couldn't, if somebody said, Hey, you're really doing good. You're like, nah, I'm all right. And so, you know, how you do, you know, somebody had asked me, how you doing? I'm okay. Everything was okay. I'm fine. It was not like, man, I'm great. Never would you say that. So it was always that, Hey, I'm just going to stay even keel and figure that out. And so that's really how I handled, you know, I guess handled success. Billy, so in 1999, you won the Relief Man of the Year. I'm curious, at what point during your career was like making the Hall of Fame? Did it become like a forethought in your mind? Uh, I don't think it was. I mean, I think everybody. I think anytime you you're in that July and you see the speeches and you you start hearing about it, you know, you start thinking about the possibilities. And and you know, I, I don't think. Well, I, I could. I shouldn't say. Most kids, people wouldn't think that, but, you know, I always thought about it because I wanted that. That's, that's the, I mean, that's the, you know, that what you're playing for. You want rings and you want to be known as one of the greatest ever. And so, you know, that's, that's how I wanted to be viewed. I wanted people to accept me in, in that fashion. So, you know, being in that uh, discussion right now has been pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So, Billy, yeah, you've been in that discussion for the last eight years. This coming year, 2024, is your ninth year on the ballot. You've gone up in votes every single year since 2017, man. What? But I have to know, like, what is it like to go through this process each year? Well, the first three, four years, I mean, very, very, very frustrating because you know, what you don't realize is you've been out of the game for five, six years, and all of a sudden you're back in the headlines of, and you start hearing people talk bad about you, about all the bad things you didn't do and you couldn't do and you needed to do better. And, and so you're kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, and you, there's nothing else you can do. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't go and say anything. It's just, you know, everything I could do has already been done. And so now the people who get to, to, to criticize you now more abruptly and, and out in public get to do it without repercussion they they can hammer you and so you have to sit there way more patient than ever and deal with that and so you know that was the hardest part because you know as everybody's seen you you can't go out there and attack you just have to take grin and swallow and move on but you know the first little bit was tough but after that i just kind of quit paying attention and then my kids would kind of let me know and then you know i think last year uh 
was that I got fifty two or something like that, I guess percent, and you know, and they're they're, they're talking a little different. So I, I think that's uh you know that that's you know that's exciting. I mean, I you know I think I'm I'm getting closer, and you know I don't think I'll get in, but maybe I'll you know get close enough that somebody on the veterans committee will like me. Maybe one of the three owners will like me. You were at sixty eight point one last year, weren't you? Something I, like, close I, to seventy. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I've got, I do so much. I don't know how that goes, but I mean, you know, that's great. I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, there'll be, you know, whatever that translates out to be, uh, votes wise, hopefully those, those, you know, I'll find enough. It's really interesting to hear you talk about this, Billy, the way you're talking about it, almost like passive, like you, it almost, not that it doesn't matter to you, but it's definitely not something you're waking up every day thinking about. Well, I, you know, don't let that fool you. I mean, don't think I haven't practiced a Hall of Fame speech in the shower because that's, that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's still a goal. But I think it's that, uh, you know, I don't want to, um, I don't want to build it up so much that at the end it's a, just a crushing blow because, you know, it is. I mean, you spend 10 years on this ballot and, you know, you, you take your beatings and then, you know, you get to the, to whatever it, and you, you know, you get to 68% and they go, uh, no, that's good. You're going to, you're, you're not going to get in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, from, I guess, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to, you know, kind of, you know, view that that would be very difficult. And so, you know, I'm just taking it as, you know what, if, you know, I keep myself very occupied with, uh, high school sports and, and my kids. And, and then I really let them dictate and tell me everything that's going on. You're the greatest left-handed closer of all time. After the, every year, Billy, after the votes come out, do you ever kind of sit back and reflect and think like, Oh, what more could I have done in my career? Like I said, like you are the, you are the best at your, what you did. Well, maybe, well, maybe you can answer this. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, when you when you talk about stats, it's it can't be about stats. I mean, if a hundred innings or whatever it is, what ninety eight innings or whatever is relevant, um, if that's really the the thing, then you know my numbers uh, that are better than some of the guys that are in there. I mean, with strikeouts and and you know whip and all the, the numbers that people measure, I you know should should they be in there? I mean, should should it work like that? I don't know. I mean, I would never tell Mariano and uh, Trevor they shouldn't be in there. They're the best I've ever seen. But when you look at ERAs and, you you know, all these things, and I mean, playoff records, you know, I mean, you know, and, and everybody criticizes me a lot about my playoff record, but I was three for four with save opportunities. I mean, it, I had, I was one and one. I wasn't like I was going out there and getting killed. I had, I didn't have a whole lot of you know, success with ERA, but it, it was a completely different environment when you're coming in facing in a 10 to two ball game facing Atlanta Braves and game three, when you're, you know, this is the last game you're getting. So you're just getting an inning for, to save somebody. So it, it, there's a lot that goes on that's not seen. And so numbers can be somewhat, I guess, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess you can use those, those stats in any way you want. I mean, maybe RA's a 10 in the playoffs. Probably gave up eight runs in four or five blowout games. So, I, I mean, you can dictate that any way you want to. Yeah, it's, and that's interesting to hear you speak about that, Billy. So you're still involved in the game today. You're coaching. What? Tell me a little bit about your team. Is it high school? Is it prep school? 
Well, it's a prep. It's a high school prep team. We we play about 50 games. We travel. Uh, we're, we'll be down in Florida. We, uh, you know, 50 games. We're, we're constantly playing. We're practicing. We're in, we're in the winter now, so we're doing a lot of just individuals and lifts and just trying to keep everybody healthy and get them through to – Today's our last lift before the uh, Thanksgiving break, and so they have about a week and uh, get them back all fat and happy in about a week and then uh, start moving towards that Christmas break, and, you know, it'll start in February. But, you know, it's fun. I love having an impact, uh, helping kids with with their with how difficult the game has become um, socially. And so, you know, having an impact to talk to them about how difficult this game is and and how we can, uh, you know, influence them and, and just, you know, really give them, give them uh, an honest opinion and not be, you know, too brutal uh, with our opinions, but let them try to bring back some of the joy. And so, you know, I, I work them hard, but they keep coming back. So, you know, that's, that's the best part. Billy, is it difficult for someone as dominant as you were to coach high school kids? Because honestly, I always think about <clears throat> like in the future when I have a son, I feel like me personally, the way I am, coaching his T-ball team will make me lose my mind. So I'd rather just uh, sit and watch. Uh, there's no way now. There is limits. I mean, uh, coaching little league, coaching those things, them are very difficult. But you know, when you look at it in in a development mode, I had a I had some really a great high school coach, a great college coach that really inspired me to be developmental first let them teach them how to play let them win the game and, and probably really more than anything stay out of the way give them the tools and, and I think going out there with these kids today you know you you, you, you got to create the boundaries and the discipline of the work ethic that it's going to take I mean you know everybody wants to roll out there and be a Cunyan everybody wants to be Mike Trout everybody wants to be Harper but they forget if they ever walk by those monsters, they would see those monsters. These guys, kids and their parents and these people have never been close to Harper and go, oh, that it's a monster. You being in a dugout, being in a locker room that I was in and seeing these monsters, you're like, wait a minute, it takes a whole lot more than what you think to walk in there and, and compete and be a dude. And so, you know, being rational with them. And I think that helps because I can sit there and go, Hey, listen, we're, we're not going to talk about the big leagues. You're in high school. We've got to perfect this level and get you to college. And so having perspective to be able to play in all three levels, playing division three is probably my biggest asset because I'm able to sit there and go, Hey, playing division three is not a joke. You, you, you know, cause everybody's got the D one itis, but I mean, it's, it's having some rational rationale and being able to talk to parents that I, I really feel like that's probably been my, my biggest the thing that I'm most proud of since I've played baseball personally. D1-itis, you said. So that I'm going to assume that means like everyone on your team basically just eyeing D1. Everyone loves it. It's almost like a buzzword. Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, you know, you look on a social page and I mean, PBR, perfect game, everybody, D1, 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 you know. And I mean, it's not their fault, but that's the pressure of what we put on our our kids, it's like, you know, if you're not D1, you know, you're really not acceptable. You're really not a good player. But around here, you know, we had Lynchburg uh, Hornets out win the Division Three National Championship. We've had Shenandoah win the National Championship. So the ODAC in this area has won the Division III, uh National Championship uh, quite a few times in the last few years. And so Division Three, when you walk out and you see Randolph-Macon, and they're, they're, they've got eight guys throwing 92 to 95. That's not a normal Division Three, and so you're saying, "Go, ah, you know, Division Three, you're not very good." Well, if you start looking, that is a very difficult baseball is hard, and so 
if you start taking it lightly, yeah, you probably won't be successful in the, at any level. Gotcha. So Billy, a couple more questions real quick before I let you go. One of them is, can you give me your top five closers of all time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Leave yourself off the list. Absolutely. Uh, I wasn't even in the top 10, so, but, uh, <laughs> I was going to go with Lee Smith, uh, Trevor Hoffman. And the reason I go with Trevor above, um, Mariano will be because if anybody knew, if you were watching Trevor, go out there and pitch with that dominating changeup. Most kids would never be able to play at that level. He was the most dominating closer I've ever seen. And I've seen grown men hide and, and not want to hit when Trevor pitched. I've not seen that. I, I mean, and Mariano was great, but I'm not like that. I mean, it was just difference in dominance. And then Mariano, Eckersley, <clears throat> Bruce Suter would definitely be in there. But I mean, I, I almost have to start looking at the new guys because I, I really love Kimbrell. I know I'm biased, but Kimbrell mm -hmm. would be in there. Kenley Jensen would be in there. I mean, longevity in numbers is it's hard to do. And, I, you know, those two have really done a great job. But, you know, uh, there's so many great guys that have come up. Uh, you know, I, you, you hate to really say, I mean, Raleigh Fingers, these guys, uh, Goose. I mean, it's hard to really put them in there because they all had that special thing that they did. And uh, But, I mean – I think those are probably my top, just the way they did it. Billy, as someone who helped define the role of the closer during your time in the game, how would you say the closer's role has evolved since you left? Well, I, you know, I don't know if it's evolved. I think it's, I think people still feel like it's a, a anybody could do that type of job. And it's always that until everybody can't do that job until you don't have the Billy Wagner's or the John Franco's or the uh, Lee Smith's or Mariana's until you have that guy that you know that can go and finish that game. I mean, the last three outs are always the toughest and there it's for a reason because there's no net behind you. You're, you don't, you don't have people behind you. And, and I, you know, I still think it's the, the hardest job for a pitcher. I don't think, I don't think really the, uh, your setup men get the, the just do because I feel like, uh, they and a million times get the harder innings, but the last three outs are always the hardest because there is there's no you can't come back from it a lot of times. Billy Wagner, thank you so much for joining Stat. I'm really hoping to see you in Cooperstown this coming July. Well, I appreciate it, Blim. Hope to see you too. Stat, where the game's heartbeat never fades.